Good evening and welcome to the beautiful historic Marionette Theatre. Tonight we're going to be discussing a late 90s or mid to late 90s uh, drama musical. And it stars the likes of fabulous British actress Brenda Blythen, up-and-coming Jane Horrocks, and seasoned actor Mr. Michael Caine. Might be another surprise in there, but uh, catch your seats. We're about to begin. Well now, Toppy, I was just saying a moment ago, it's a beautiful spring evening, and, uh, you know, there's been a few days this week that I've actually managed to have the windows open at the old chateau. Oh, me too. Me too, all night long. By the way, I've also heard the peepers. Yeah? It's been warm enough to bring the peepers out, and (laughs) uh, I could hear them. I could hear them around about five, six in the evening, I heard the peepers. Oh, you know, not, out here in not quite apple country, you know it's spring when you see the neighborhood cats wandering. <laughs> wow! <laughs> really? Okay. I mean, I we I have a, a, a friend, I like to call him, who visits from the apartments nearby. I have an on good authority that he lives with a grandmother and her, her granddaughter. But uh-huh. uh, they let him out, which people... Please, if you're going to let your animals out, make sure they have a microchip or a collar or something. But best of all, just don't, don't. Animals have a happier and longer life indoors, please. Anyways, so uh, a beautiful white kitty with little spots. I call them cow spots because when they're dark, they remind me of a, a, you know, a moo-moo. Sure. But anyways, I've been visited a few times by some of the neighborhood friends, and I was very happy to see... The uh, closest neighbor's orange kitty, because, well, they're not necessarily good people, and they have as many animals as children. I was uh, I was worried for a moment there that they might have, quote-unquote, given them away, but uh, yeah. anyway. Do, do, do you and Billy ever sit out, like, in your backyard, you know, in the loaming? Uh, in the gloaming, you know, twilight, and then see, like, possums and... Night critters come out. <laughs> well, no, we do have fireflies uh, now and then. And uh, we have been, uh, well, we've had long-term plans of putting out a patio uh, so that yeah. we can have yeah. somewhere to sit and watch that. But this past winter, we actually had the fortune of hosting a mama deer. She, uh, a, a big girl, was uh, wandering our property, and uh, one winter night, I looked out the bathroom window, and I, I had my glasses off, of course, and there was this shadowy figure wandering the middle of my backyard. Now, uh, you know, we, we're, we're still doing stuff to our property. There's not a lot of features here, but smack in the middle of our backyard is our new septic tank. And Mama Deer was putting her pregnant belly on the ground over the septic tank because it's warmer there. Oh, my God. (laughs) What time of year was this? Oh, this was in the winter. I want to say November-ish, perhaps. No kidding. Oh, but it it was just so adorable because, of course, one of the things that we did the other year uh, to, uh, you know, lower the, the maintenance of our properties we put in clover to replace the grass 
And Mama Deer was munching in the snow. Oh, they love that. (laughs) I bet they love that. I could could set up a camera and perhaps charge admission, but yes. So, Toppy, we're in April, and you know there's a couple of things about April that are very significant in regards to tonight. Oh, um, oh, tell us, tell us about it. Well, one of the things about April, besides the beginning of spring and uh, Easter shortly and Passover for our, our folks that uh, are uh, are Jewish, um, and uh, I believe Ramadan is also this time of year as well. Um, April is National Jazz Appreciation Month. And uh, okay. as I'm one to do, I, I listen to quite a bit of my local jazz station. I also, um, I sponsor, well, I... I um, I donate to it. Uh, you know, that's, it's a worthy cause. That's nice. That's nice, DJ. And um, the other thing that is uh, important about April is that it's National Autism Awareness Month. Now, as we get into the story, um, that may have some bearing on tonight's film. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. And I think we're thinking along the same lines, but we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, I think I heard the tones of that ice cream truck. So I know our senior showgirl is somewhere oh, yeah. about the place. Yeah. Hey, 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 DJ. Mm, what? A- uh, 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 a toppy. Yeah. yeah, yeah w- what? I just want to tell you, I could have played a role in this movie. I could have had it. Listen. I could have been the um, little voice, LV. Listen, do you know how many times I stripped to those standards? <laughs> I stripped a dozen times to, 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 to Frank Sinatra. I stripped a dozen times. Listen, I could have done them. I know them by heart. I could have done that role. So it's another movie I lost out on. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Gertie. I'm sorry. It's yeah. Well, th- that's a sad story. Gertie. Everything happens. for yeah, a reason. But I'm so glad that you stopped wearing those little curl pajamas during your hey. warm ups Cause that was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Anyways, I'll be downstairs when you want me to do the intro. Okay. Oh, thank you. Gertie. Thank you much, right. ma'am. All right. Well, I think she's gotten down there. Uh, Shall we get this going? Yeah, you might as well. L.V. is a soft-spoken girl who lost her father at a young age. She spends her days listening to records of his favorite music and has even taught herself to mimic them. One night, when her amorous mother brings a gentleman caller home, they blow a fuse and the sparks fly when the suitor talent agent hears the dulcet tones coming from upstairs. Will L.V. knock the local socks off? Will she make her mama rich? Will she talk to strangers? Grab a cardigan and bring your favorite records. It's time for Little Voice with Brenda Blyven and Jane Horace. Boys, what do you get when you take a dash to the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies and a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Well, so, as our senior showgirl was mentioning there, this is a 90s 
drama, and it's got some music in it. It's about a soft-spoken yeah. girl. In my research, I ran across a, a very recent TV series called Little Voices, or Little Voice. Does does that TV series have anything to do with this movie? Do you know anything about that? No, actually, they do. Just to share a title, it is about people uh, being discovered. It's Jazz Appreciation Month, and I certainly appreciated the music that was featured in tonight's film. Um, yeah, you know what I just learned tonight hmm. is that the stage version um, has a lot more music. Oh, uh, a lot more songs, a lot more standards, and it was one of those things that when they were making this movie, it was hard to get the rights, and so they cut way down mm-hmm. on the songs they featured. Uh, so the stage version has many, it's like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, lot more music, mm. singing. Since this, this, and it should be noted that um, Little Voice was actually a film that was produced overseas in the UK. Uh, of course, it did get released in the States. However, it was a much more limited release. Uh, it was distributed. I guess so, because mm-hmm. I sure don't remember it. I do not remember this movie. It, it allegedly came out in December of 98. However, when I saw it was some months later, uh, it might have been at one of those second-run theaters. So that would have explained um, how the ticket was affordable, because my uh, my ex was a little bit cheap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? This movie came out in 1998. Mm-hmm. Why don't you set the stage and tell us a little bit about world history back then in 1998? Okay. And this is a little bit long, so I'm going to ask you to come in during the section on the Academy Awards, sir. Okay. All right. World history in 1998. Way back then. Smoking is banned in all California bars and restaurants. Go figure. There was an ashtray in the movie. Researchers in Dallas, Texas present findings about an enzyme. DJ, DJ, there was a lot of smoking in that movie. Yes, and some of it was in public places. (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) Anyways, continue. So researchers in Dallas, Texas present findings about an enzyme that slows aging and cell death. Now, uh, why haven't they given me that formula? It, it, well, it's the it's the potion. You remember? Yeah. You you got to ask Meryl Streep. <laughs> oh, okay. Ford Motor Company announced the buyout of Volvo cars. So if you didn't know, they owned them, and uh, they paid six point four five billion dollars in nineteen ninety eight money. The presidential line item veto was declared unconstitutional, which meant a president could say that they like some of a law, but not all of it. Okay. Uh, So it was uh, made unconstitutional. In um, the realm of gay rights, Uncale versus Sundowner Offshore Services, the Supreme Court of the U.S. ruled the federal law banning on-the-job sexual harassment also apply when both parties are the same sex. So um, you can be harassed by somebody your your same gender. All right. Very revolutionary. NASA announced... It was good of of them to think of that. (laughs) Equal opportunity, right? Yeah. Uh, NASA announced the choice of United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Eileen Collins. Okay, this is important that I say this right because... 
Uh, Miss Eileen Collins was technically from my uh, my 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 place I was boithed. Um, so yeah. I, Eileen Collins, U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, uh, she was announced as commander of future Space Shuttle Columbia mission to launch an X-ray telescope. Which this made her the first woman to okay. command a space shuttle mission okay. in 1998. Okay, DJ, mm-hmm. DJ, I don't want to shatter your, you know, your vision of this woman. <laughs> Is this woman the same woman that wore a diaper and drove to some state, tried to kill some other astronaut? No, Do you remember that was much more recently, and Eileen Collins is retired these days. Okay, that was <laughs> what I just said had nothing to do with Eileen Collins. No, but I, I, um, I was supposed to take part of a parade that was being held in her honor after the events yeah. mentioned yeah. in the history. And okay. uh, an ex of hers phoned in a death threat. So, oh, for heaven's sake! Yeah. <laughs> I, I was denied my opportunity to meet Eileen Collins, although I did get her autograph much later. So, uh, the 70th Academy Awards, hosted by Billy Crystal, are held at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. Toppy, take it away from James Cameron. James Cameron's Titanic was coming across and, like, it had, like, freaking, I don't know how many nominations. And I think it won 11 awards. Mm-hmm. And that tied with uh, 1959's Ben Hur, so uh, was, uh, that's pretty amazing. There was a, a record uh, tying 14 nominations for that. By the way, it tied with 1950's All About Eve, including Best Director and Best Picture. This telecast of the Academy Awards, and I kind of, I think I was there, DJ. I think I saw this because mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, um, what's his face? <laughs> uh, Billy Crystal hosting it, and it was like a, a, a pr- kind of a, a pretty famous telecast. Um, and it was the most watched Oscars broadcast in history, garnering over 57.2 million viewers. So that was a lot. So that was just kind of a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, kind of a big deal. By the way, at that time... In 1998. 1998. Thank you, DJ. A strike <laughs> begins at the General Motors Corporation Parts Factory in Flint, Michigan. Oh, home of the nasty water. Yeah, somewhere along here, we're going to tie everything in, folks. By the way, quickly, it's quickly spread into five other assembly plants. It lasted... Seven weeks. I shouldn't find this funny, but somehow I do. American Airlines becomes the first airline to offer electronic ticketing in all 44 countries it serves. Well, that's advanced. Mm -hmm. What do you suppose in that day electronic ticketing meant? Um, it might have been that you had you were able to buy things online. I remember when I one of the first times that I flew, which actually was in '98. Yeah, uh, I went to a travel agent. Still, uh, that's uh-huh. not as much a thing these days. <laughs> DJ, I haven't heard the word travel agent <laughs> in eons. Isn't that precious? <laughs> you went to see a travel agent. Mm-hmm. Space shuttle discovery. 
Okay, that's important. It blasts off with 77-year-old John Glenn. Remember him? Mm-hmm. He was on board, making him the oldest person to go into space. Before the shot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yes. Before the shot, completely. Uh, <laughs> America Online announces it will acquire Netscape Communications in a stock-for-stock transaction worth $4.2 billion. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's amazing. Exxon announces a, uh, a, a $73.7 billion deal to buy mobile. What, did they do that? They Thus creating that. Exxon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exxon Mobile, the second largest company on the planet by revenue. Oh, my God. Oh. So that was a lot that happened in 1998. And uh, as we often do, we talk about uh, the turnstile of life, if you will. So in 98, some people left us and some people entered the world. I don't know if you folks notice, but the older the movies we do, we feature births. (laughs) And the more recent movies we do, we feature deaths. (laughs) Anyways, well, let's start out. Okay, well, let me go back to what year this is. What year? 1998. All right, folks. Celebrity deaths. Well, it's Sonny Bono. Okay, uh, he was 63 years old. Lloyd Bridges. Oh, I liked him. He was an actor. He died at 85. Linda McCartney. The legless. No, that's terrible. Why did I say that? Uh, the photographer wife of Paul McCartney died at 57. From breast Roy cancer. Rogers. Okay, here's a man out of time. Roy Rogers. The actor and musician who had a career a million years before finally dies at 87. <laughs> Why am I... I should not be amused. I, I think that the dentist's office next door sprung a leak into your Maybe. room. <laughs> Maybe. Sherry Lewis. Now, you know what? If this Sherry Lewis is a Sherry Lewis I know, a ventriloquist? Yes. Yes. I love her. Mm-hmm. And her little lamb chops hand puppet. Mm-hmm. Well, she died that year at 65. Roddy McDowell. Now, Everyone says that I know that Roddy McDowell was just one of the nicest people in Hollywood ever. And I believe it. And he died at 70 that year. Uh, Flip Wilson. Oh, my God. He died that year at 65. Paris Jackson. Now we're, we're in the birth sections. Now. Okay. Now we're in birth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Born. In this year was Paris Jackson, daughter of Michael. Do you remember that? Uh, Al Flan- uh, Fanning, mm-hmm. sister of actress Dakota. Oh, Dakota Fanning. Mm-hmm. Also an actress, oh, one, I Am Sam with Sean Penn and 2014 Disney's Maleficent with Angelina Jolie. I was born. Uh, Jaden Smith. Oh, no. Are we going to hook up with Will Smith? I guess we are. The slap heard around the world. Jaden Smith, <laughs> actor, musician, dancer, uh, was born this year. He's the son of Will Smith. Slap. Well, sorry. Yeah. And the actor part, I don't know how many credits that is. I, I, I'm 
only vaguely aware of a movie that he and his dad did together where they're supposedly in the future and in space and suppo- yeah. supposedly it bombed at the box office. Yeah, I, I didn't see it, but mm. yeah, I remember it bombed. So speaking of the box office, now uh, we like to talk about whereabouts on the, the ladder of entertainment tonight's program may have landed. And uh, of course, Little Voice was a, uh, um, a UK film, so... It had a limited release. It was probably sort of an art house, uh, you know, thing. I, I have to imagine. First of all, this is the goddamn year that the Titan- Titanic came out. Mm. James Cameron's Titanic. You know, who could fight that? Oh, well, you know, the 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 splash of the waves just buried everything else that was at the theater. Yes, indeed. So, of course, at the top of the box office in 98 was the aforementioned Titanic, which, you know, if you didn't know, the boat sank and uh, starred Kate Winslet and up-and-coming um, teen heartthrob Leo DiCaprio. That movie brought in $488 million. Now, Jesus. Today's money, that's about enough to buy a house in San Francisco. <laughs> Honest to God, DJ, that's true. It might even be uh, a condo nowadays with inflation. Yeah. By the way, uh, a lot of people poo-poo Titanic now, um, but I got to say, I still feel like this is was a thrilling movie and memorable. I still like Titanic. It was very charming. I will say that I feel the most... Um, revering scenes are the ones that are Kathy Bates because she's a a figure in history. I mean, having lived in Denver, I have to tell you that Molly Brown, a.k.a. Margaret, was a fixture of of Colorado history. She was the first first woman to run for Senate in that state. Anyways. um, Did she she get the spot? I think she did. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I remember, um, you know, Leo DiCaprio, he was a little bit of a heartthrob, but he, he wasn't my thing. I, I think I remember people calling him a fetus at the time. A fetus! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you know, one of those uh, kind of barely legal types. But anyways, number two at the box office was this big action thing with Bruce yeah. Willis and Steven Tyler's little girl, all grown up, Leave Tyler. It's called Armageddon. And uh, we were going to stop a big asteroid from hitting the <laughs> Earth. Yeah, I got to tell you, exciting. I watched it. I loved it. Mm, And Ben Affleck was in it, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. So number three, Saving Private Ryan. A movie I've never seen. Yeah, I think I've only seen clips and things of it. Very legendary. Uh, It had Tom Hanks and Matt Damon brought in $190 Now, Bringing us back to reality, because, of course, <laughs> we love the underdog. Little yeah. Voice, again, it was an independent release, and it came yeah. out at the end of the year. So, really, um, I guess they consider it to be part of the next year's figures. But um, somewhere around the middle of the box office, the uh, one that might have done better than Little Voice was a film called The Winslow Boy. This movie brought in $3.9 million, and it was about an English naval cadet who's expelled over petty theft in the early 19th century. So, you know, like 1910-ish or so. 
and then uh, just below the middle of the box office that year was a film called Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Now, um, the only thing Boy. special I could dig about dig up about this movie was that it was directed by now ex-husband of Madonna, Guy Ritchie. No. <clears throat> and okay. uh, the story behind Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels is a guy is given a week to pay back a handsome pool debt to a mobster. So, All right, if you say so. I certainly, I don't remember <laughs> nothing I mean, about that one. It's, it's the likes of an HBO series, really. Yes. Yeah. We have a clip from tonight's film now unfortunately no uh, i'm not able to locate an actual trailer for this film so most places you look for a a trailer you end up with a preview of little voice and uh, the moment i've chosen is in lv's bedroom so the the main character the young girl and uh, she's in her room and michael kane's character ray has come to visit her which were your dad's favourites? There were three there. Oh, good. You know, we'll... we'll... Oh, no, no. What? No, well, I, I, I was just thinking we, we could have included them uh, in the, uh, you know, the act. But we're not doing it now. I bet your dad would have liked that, huh? Eh? A tribute to his life's loves. One love is songs. Sung by his only other love, his daughter. Oh, that would have really been something, eh? Yeah, shame. Because the man and his music, they don't get much respect, do they? You know what I mean? There she goes again, the bluebird, under the moon and over the stars. <laughs> I'll do it. Do what? Oh, that, oh, okay. Just once. Yeah, whatever, whatever. I'm pleased. I'll just pop down and get me cigarillos. Won't be a tick. All righty. So that was a teaser of one of the uh, most important moments in the film when the tides turn. Well, DJ, let's talk about the director of this movie, mm-hmm. uh, Little Voice. And it's Mark Herman. And I, I got to tell you, I loved the way this movie was told. A big part of Mark Herman as director. I love the way the camera moved in this movie. Mark Herman, director. He is an English film director and screenwriter. He was born in uh, Bridlington, East Riding of Yorkshire. England in 1954. Uh, initially, uh, Mark Herman was interested, interestingly enough, in a career in animation. Mm-hmm. But he eventually 
kind of decided on a career change and moved over to writing and directing. His first big thing really was that he wrote some lyrics for the successful 1980s band, The Christians, on their first album, The Christians, as it was titled, alongside fellow East Riding of Yorkshire songwriter Henry Priestman. That was kind of his first big thing. Uh, Now, let's talk about his first movie, which um, was Blame It on Bellboy in 1992. (laughs) Do you know this? It has Bronson Pinchot in it, Toppy. Really? (laughs) Balky from Perfect Strangers to anyone else. Oh, God. That was in 1992. It was a comedy of mistaken identities, and it starred Dudley Moore. Uh, Herman wrote and directed the critically acclaimed Brastoff in 1996. And this was a movie that followed members of a colliery brass bands still struggling to survive decades after a miners strike. And here we go in 1998, little voice. And Herman adapted this from a play by Jim Cartwright. It was called The Rise and Fall of Little Voice. And uh, Our Lady, Jane Harricks, in the movie, uh, reprises her role from the stage of a harried young woman whose only escape lies in the memory of her father and in imitating the singer's he admired. That's kind of the plot right there of this movie. In 2000, Herman did Purely Belter, which was adapted by uh, the uh, Herman from a novel by Jonathan Tullock uh, that was called The Season Ticket. That's the story of two teenage boys trying to get together enough money for a couple of Newcastle United FC season tickets. In 2003, he directed Hope Springs. That's an adaptation of something called New Cardiff. I don't know if that was from stage or a novel. But to this day, um, our, uh, our director, Mark Herman, is most known for The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. That was done in 2006. It was based on the novel of the same name by John Boyne. And it was adapted by Herman for the screen. And it starred David Thules and Vera Femija. And I got to say, I really like Vera Femija. And by the way, not coincidental to nothing. Her parents are Ukrainians. Hmm. DJ, can we get the cheer of your sound effects and play that for Verma, for Mija, and her Ukrainian parents? You know, it's interesting that this film comes up, Top, because uh, every once in a while, we'll... I wanted the cheer. I wanted the cheer sound effect. I got it for you. Oh, I missed it. Anyways, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, didn't hear it. oh ahead. well it um you know it's interesting that the boy in striped pajamas comes up because that is actually 
on a list of films that I've been meaning to watch, but I haven't caught just yet. Oh. And of course, the the striped pajamas in the title is a reference to the clothing that people were uh, forced to wear in the concentration camps during the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Toppy, we are at about the halfway mark in our show, so we're going to step on over here to our refreshment stand where our gal Gertie is serving things up tonight. And uh, in honor of uh, our folks across the pond, I'm going to ask for um, a cup of tea. Yeah, A cup, a cup of tea, tea. okay. <laughs> you want it laced with anything? Um, shh. All right, I'll give you a surprise. Never mind. Just has to look like tea. Uh, okay. So we're going to be listening to an interview with Mr. Michael Kane from Little Voice. And uh, this is with the Dallas Morning News. And they're talking oh. about his character of Ray Say, the, uh, the mm. talent agent. Yeah. Anyway, Michael, Michael, you once uh, referred to Jack Carter, the gangster you played in the movie Get Carter, so the ghost of Michael Caine. This is how you might have turned out with a few wrong decisions coming from the same neighborhood. I'm wondering if you thought of Ray as perhaps another ghost. Uh, perhaps this is how you might have wound up if you hadn't no, made it. <laughs> no, Ray. I I love women. I, I I really adore women. Ray didn't. Ray doesn't like women. Ray Ray uses women. Um, I have a, have a natural, shall we say, affection for ladies, uh, and I, I grew up <clears throat> in a, in a family which is, if you, if you think in terms of all the children from the war, we grew up in single parent families. The father was away, so and, and men like me who are very influenced by their mothers um, have a tremendous respect for women. You know, because the mother figure and everything. I think Ray's mother, the backstory on him, hated him, and he hated her back, and he's getting back at women, and they owe him a living, and he he just uses women. In that picture, he has one of the most insulting speeches to a woman I've ever heard on screen. But it's a comment on him rather than on the woman, which is the, the cleverness of the writing. You just realise what a, what a failure he is, but he's also very funny. I did it for the comedy because every t- even when I do a drama, I mean, I'm sure I never I will never play Hamlet or or King Lear, but I'm sure at the moment I started reading the script, I'd be looking for the laughs, and um, because basically Ray is so evil and such a swine, he's funny, he's funny. But you never found yourself thinking, well, gee, now, if Zulu hadn't come along, if, if Chris Fallon Alfie hadn't come along, if I would have just been slogging away as an actor, I might have turned into something like this. <laughs> no, I'd have been, a, me, I'd have been a writer. I'd have been a writer, which is what I do now. I, I, I'm writing, I wrote an autobiography and I'm writing a book, a novel, just for my own amusement. I don't have a deal with it. But... No, Ray Say, I know who the Ray Say's are in this world. I've seen them. I, I met them when I first came into this business, a lot of them, obviously. No, I could never. There isn't one thing in Ray Say's character that is in mine. I don't think we share an iota of thought or anything. I, I, everything he did. The only thing that's in his character that is in, in mine is he's funny. He is funny. 
and I like to be funny. I was going to be funny this morning, but it, I decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. That's, that's interesting, DJ, because at first I liked his character, and then it takes a turn. Mm-hmm. And he is evil. Uh, so very interesting, very interesting. It, it, if I were to analyze it a bit more, I would think that basically he agreed to play a, a type that maybe he was all too familiar with, like maybe someone he went to school with, of course. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, a number of people came together behind the talent that is the film Little Voice and We'll uh, start off by talking about the Grande Dame, the uh, the lady who was the not-so-supportive mother. Ah. Uh, <laughs> character is called Mari, and, uh, of course, the film starts off with her explaining that her last name is Hoff. And, yes. uh, you know, she says, can you imagine me and my husband going for my our marriage license saying Mr. and Mrs. Frank Hoff? Yeah, H off, F off, F off. Yeah. yes, F off. F off. <laughs> uh-huh. so. By the way, uh, before you talk about the actress Brenda uh, Blithen, mm-hmm. um, you know the only clue in the movie of the time and place this is happening is that. The apartment these characters exist in is up above a storefront mm-hmm. of Hoff Records. Mm-hmm. But we know nothing else about it. But apparently, that's how this mother is like making a living. But there's, there's never a scene in the store. What am I crazy or? Like that, that's where their apartment was, right above a record store it was. by the name of Hoff. Yes. Yeah, so, I, um, having seen this a few times, most recently I noticed in one of the scenes, uh, of course, there, there's a scene in which there's a fire, which we'll, we can get to in a bit, but, uh, part of the, uh, the building is revealed that you you don't always see, and there's a, a, a like a I think you call it like a nameplate or something, and you could see a layer of paint, and uh, it, it says Hoff Records on one part, but the uh, the layer below says Hoff and Son, so okay. it it suggests that this is a generational home that it was inherited possibly yeah. by the grandfather. So you're correct; it really doesn't tell us what time it's set in um you know you could possibly decide for yourself but it, it, but, but also is this mother running the hoff record store we never know mm-hmm. what she's really doing for a living i i would think that she's on some form of assistance i mean she is well actually she she's a widow but there are is a there is one scene where she's briefly at like a, a fresh uh market with her neighbor friend. That's right. She's she's spraying uh, with a hose a fish market. Mm-hmm. Like she's spraying away the, you know, 
the the fish parts and the smell and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's so right. It, it is very brief. So unless you've watched it a couple of times, you may not catch it. So uh, Brenda Blythin was uh, the lady who played the mother in this film, Mari. She began acting on television in the 80s. Now, her first film role was in a very iconic film with Angela uh, Angelica Houston based upon a role doll story. It was ah. called The Witches. In more recent years, it's been remade with Anne Hathaway on HBO. Um, but uh, that was in 1990, her first film. And uh, this was by the director of the 76 film with David Bowie, The Man Who Fell to Earth. So if you enjoyed that, you might like The Witches if you haven't already seen it. Little, Little Voice was Blythen's ninth film. So she's not, uh, you know, the uh, the junior officer here. And uh, she appeared in five roles in different films that same year. Busy Lady. Her film prior to Little Voice was called Night Train. This was in 98, of course, with Mr. John Hurt, which intrigues me. I adore that man. I'm going to go see this. It's about an ex-con man who's escaping his past on the Orient Express. Yeah, I like John Hurt, too. Mm. I just like the way he... I just like his acting. Mm-hmm. Blythen would star in five films over the next five years, most notably including Saving Grace, a film from 2000 with TV's Craig Ferguson, a Scottish actor who's hosted huh. Late Night before. Uh, and it's about a reluctant widow who turns to marijuana growing to dig herself out of debt. Okay. In 2001, uh, Brenda Blythen was in On the Nose, and this is a film with Dan Aykroyd. It's about huh. a gambler, gambling again, who finds luck in a shrunken head. And in 2002, she was in a film with Christina Ricci, uh, you know, associated with Angelica, Angelica Houston there in Adam's family. And this film was called Pumpkin. It was about a sorority girl who falls for a mentally challenged man. Now, in 2011, Blythen would be cast in her most iconic role to date. And it was in a uh, as the lead in a uh, series called Vera. And the character, of course, is all Vera. It's about a British... Uh, uh, it's a British TV series about a countryside murder detective. So think Murder, She Wrote, but uh, English countryside. Yeah, and I bet it was a lot better than Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Today, uh, Brenda Blythin has 87 acting credits. Whoa. All right, let's talk about Jane Horrocks. Now, um, uh, this this actress was apparently, if, if I understand... She's the only actress that was brought in from the play, the musical version of this that was on stage. And she plays L.V. as we know her until we actually find out her name in one of the last moments of the movie. A breakthrough. Yeah. And but. But 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 we know her first as just simply the letter L, the letter V, L, V. And uh, Jane Harks began acting on television in the mid to late 80s. That's how she started. Um, she'd uh, been, only been in two TV shows before Phil's first supporting role in the film The Dressmaker. I remember that, 1988. Uh, British film uh, about a, a World War II 
um, a story that involved a 17-year-old niece who was having a delusional affair with an American soldier. A Little Voice, our movie tonight, was her 10th film. She would later lend her voice to four animated films over the next five years, including Fairies in 99, Chicken Run, <laughs> I remember that, mm-hmm. in 2000. Uh, for a decade, Harrix had appearances in commercials for a national UK retailer, Tesco. Most re- recently, she starred in Bloods, a series about two paramedics, one a loner and the other an outgoing divorcee. To date, Harx has had 126 acting credits. Oh, busy lady. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we uh, work our way up the ladder there. And um, one of the most notable members of the cast is Mr. Michael Caine. Now, uh, it should be noted that prior to his appearance in Little Voice, Michael Caine was experiencing somewhat of a hiatus in his career. He had actually informally retired and um, was talked into taking this role when the original actor um, was cast in uh, one of the Jurassic Park films. So he was the uh, the next choice by the director. Ah. So Michael Caine, he was born in the UK as well as our other two actors, and uh, he played the uh, the somewhat lovable and then uh, sort of uh, rascal, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Ray Boy. Say, and he began acting on television in the mid to late fifties. Now, uh, Little Voice was actually quite uh, further down in his career. It was his seventy fourth film. Yeah. His film before was something called Shadow Run in 98, which was about a hijack of a security van in broad daylight. It was called Shadow Run because uh, he didn't have any help and he was told to, to stay off the radio. Um, right. His film after Little Voice was called It All Came True, also in 98. And I'm intrigued because this starred Mr. James Spader and Maggie Smith, Dame Maggie huh. Smith, a man buys a house on Manhattan uninhibited for decade uninhabited for decades, except the ghosts of the previous owner and his wife. Huh. They meddle in his love life in uh, It All Came True. I do not know that movie at all. Mm. And despite the fact that James Spader in it is in it, Maggie Smith um, makes me want to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, she wa- She makes me want to see anything she's in. Now, in O2, uh, Kane was introduced to a whole new generation of film goers. Your mom and dad might have seen his films. Maybe you hadn't. But... He was cast in a Mike Myers film, Mr. Saturday Night Live. He was in Austin Powers' Gold Member. Oh, I guess that's true, yeah. and he That pl- probably did introduce him to a lot of new people. Mm-hmm. And he was the, uh, the lead character's father, Nigel, who, of course, was a, a spy himself and had disappeared many years before. Now, oh, he- but this next thing... Mm-hmm. Uh, he played the butler of Batman. That's probably another place where people really 
you know, could picture him. Exactly. Uh, so he uh, disappeared for a while from the public, and then uh, another new generation learned about him when they saw the new Batman films with Christian Bale, and he played the lovable butler, Alfred. And that was first in 2005 in Batman Begins. Of course, there is at least another Batman movie with him in it. And uh, to date, Michael Caine remains active in film and has 176 credits to his name at the ripe age of 89. And by the way, I just want to say he appeared in Jaws 4. (laughs) Jaws the Revenge. And that... What can we say about Michael Caine except he is a he is a great actor and he's one of those people like Spencer Tracy when he acts it doesn't seem like he's acting it seems like he inhabits every role and like he's not even trying and I don't know what the deal is but he's so good in everything he does. I would say to anybody who isn't following Michael Caine, you know, if you haven't specifically sought out a film because he was in it, okay, start off by watching Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the only reason I say that is not simply because Michael Caine is in it, but because his career can only get better from that point. (laughs) You know, I don't know why. Why did he appear in Beyond the Poseidon Adventure? Why did he appear in Jaws the Revenge? I don't know. Well, Beyond the the Poseidon Adventure, I guess, was to meet Sally Fields. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, DJ. I don't know. You know, as as somebody who might have been a, a few classes behind you in school and life here, I didn't, of course, stumble upon Mr. Michael Caine and his career until a few years later. But the very first film that I saw, which I'm realizing now had him, was a little gem of an 80s film where he plays a character not unlike Mr. Ray's say. This was a Uh film with Steve Martin called Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Okay, I know of this, yes. Oh, so Toppy, we have discussed the cast, and we do have a few minutes so we could talk um, about the story. Yeah, let's double down on this movie, DJ. Mm-hmm. When I watched this, I thought I knew where this movie was going, and boy, did it not go where I thought it was going. <laughs> Okay, I thought when this girl was singing, she was going to really launch into stardom, and and we were going to see her again and again in one production after another that was better and better, and that she would, like, break through, and none of that happened. (laughs) And it went down a dark path that I did not anticipate, DJ. <laughs> Boy, did I not anticipate. Whew. It definitely takes you on a journey. Oh, my God. <laughs> and how? Oh, my God. Oh, 
Boy, I, I, I can't think of a single movie we've talked about here on Matinee Minutia that has affected me more deeply than this movie. I mean, it really had an impact. I, I, I'm still a little bit stunned by it. And I really mean that. I really mean it. You know, I, I, I've seen this film several times and the copy I have, this will tell you, you know, my journey in life here is uh, one that I bought from a blockbuster that was going out of business. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did that. We did that back in the day. Mm-hmm. But um, I actually got to see Little Voice during uh, its theater release. Uh, it may have been at one of the, you know, quote unquote, last run theaters, a, uh, you know, a, a matinee as our namesake. And uh, I remember it was at a theater in Dallas, Texas, where I was living at the time. It was a charming little place that uh, was basically dinner in a movie. And uh, it, uh, you know, my my ex was not very much into um, women empowerment stories. So, a.k.a. what we would call a chick flick back then. So, my options were either to see Shakespeare in Love, which had Gwyneth Paltrow, or Little Voice. And of course, with Michael Caine on the marquee, there was a chance that somebody who wasn't necessarily a feminist was going to see the movie. So uh, we we took in Little Voice. And I will say that, um, you know, I, I identify with the Little Voice character in many regards in that being the youngest child, there was a time where I felt like it took a lot of effort to get noticed. So I, I understand the part of her being soft-spoken. And it wasn't until I actually had finished school and left uh, the state, actually. I uh, the, After two years of college, I bought a uh, one-way ticket to Dallas, Texas, with my pre-approved MasterCard that I got in the mail. Because yeah. back then, and probably even still now... They hand out things to college students who don't really have much of an income, thinking we're going to get them with that interest rate. (laughs) Not to trigger anyone, but um, so, yes, um, I I definitely identify with LV because uh, it took some doing for me to come out of my shell. And it was working uh, at a hotel company where – I will say, out in the haystack, there wasn't a whole lot of diversity. Um, I, I, I met a lot of people from different, uh, you know, backgrounds and people who were even born overseas when I got that first big boy job in the big city. But yes, much like Little Voice, I understand she had a great love of her father's music. That was the time that was special to her because she got to be with her dad and as she said in the film, there was a moment where she was breaking down and she was starting to find her voice and speak up to her yeah. mother. She said, um, you know, my, my father, uh, when he was alone and was with his records, he sparkled, not like you, but with fine lights. So she saw her dad as being somebody who was classy and educated and intellectual, and he introduced yeah. her to the world of his music, which made an impact on her because, as as we assume from the events in the film, she uh, she lost her father, 
and it's many at an years early age. Yes, and many years later, that impact that this music was important to him carried on with her. Well, I mean, almost. Okay, so I, I thought, okay, possibly we're dealing with someone on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. because she was so unable to communicate and she was so fixated on the music she had on her LPs mm-hmm. and we would see her collecting them in various stacks that meant something to her and we would see her like playing them but experiencing them listening like her life depended on it and that's how she and and we it became clear that 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 she was escaping a lot of what she found unbearable in her family life with her mother who was so crude i mean her her mother was so crude and she escaped by listening to this music and i have to wonder it's not explained we don't know but it feels like she was on some sort of spectrum of autism you know and i think it's interesting to note that the character who is played by up-and-coming ewan mcgregor who's not someone we discussed but this is one of his early film roles his character of Billy was introduced for the film. In fact, that character did not exist in the play. And I think it does um, bring up a very important discussion as you were suggesting, you know, um, little voice being soft-spoken and introverted could have been on the spectrum. And the young man who takes an interest in her was somebody who simply came to install the telephone, a young man whose name was Billy. And his hobby was raising pigeons. So they connected. And uh, those were some of the brightest moments in the film because you realized they had that in common. They were both awkward. And when you got to meet Ewan McGregor's character, he was sitting in the stairway of the house of of um Mari, the mother, and she's you know she's doing her best to sell her goods to the the guy who's the clearly the boss on the job and here the young guy's sitting on the stairs doing his best to avoid eye contact, and uh, his boss is like, "Say hello, Billy," and yeah. he finally speaks up. So in that sense, they they introduce a character that can relate with LV and yes, Billy helps. And also, there's there, there, there's a verbal and an image uh, involved with this guy's interest in pigeons and freeing them and being involved like he cares okay i don't know if anybody knows about pigeons but there are people that keep pigeons and become very attached to them with their skills in 
in flying out and then coming back. And it's kind of a sport, especially in the UK. Uh, and that's where this kid is. I mean, he's he's very awkward, just like LV. Mm. And but he's like awkward in a, like a whole nother way. But somehow in this movie, they come together and it's a little bit unexpected, but in the most tragic part of the movie, <laughs> the the pigeon guy comes through and rescues LV. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's anything you can say about this, well, I'm just going to say, because it, it felt that way to me, DJ, it felt like a horrible, dark ending. A manic episode. I, I, I it, it, it was like, oh my God. And if there's anything to be redeemed at the end is that we do feel like this pigeon guy and LV, they're going to become something together, Mm -hmm. something positive. You know, and um, turning around to the, the cast with the mother, now, I'm not saying that I feel bad for her. Certainly, well, we don't know her story, but she doesn't yeah. come off as mother of the year. No! That is hysterical. <laughs> DJ, that's hysterical. Okay. Um, because, you know, uh, she she is... I, I don't know what the, the feminine version of the term is, but she's, you know, the, the female version of a womanizer. She's a... You know, a social uh, butterfly in a sense. Well, yes. I okay. mean, uh, the 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 W word could be used, but that's what they call slut shaming. Um, yeah. But anyways, I I there 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 is a series of events where unfortunately a fire happens, and I will have you know that is a pivotal moment because. Up until that point, the mother is very self-absorbed, and she is run across the street to her neighbor and crying in the arms of her neighbor, and <laughs> then the fire occurs. And that's the only moment that she truly shows motherly instincts, because she looks out the door, and suddenly she says, my baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, somebody who was a little bit more affectionate would have reacted long before then. But this this is a tale of, of tragedy and, you know, has a bittersweet end. But, like they say, a, a, a phoenix from the flames. Yeah, that's it. Um, and you you do not expect, I didn't expect that this is where this movie was going to take us. And I was like, Holy God. I will say though, that that moment is when our, our lead actress, Jane Horrocks has a moment to shine because she, her character has a manic episode and she goes through a range of not only emotions, but of characters. So it's almost like she's got multiple personality disorder because 
she is going through her thoughts on the situation and expressing them through those artists that she has listened to for all these ages. Yeah. I just want to say one other thing about another character in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know the name of the actress that did this role, except that she was the friend of the mother, mm-hmm. this rather obese woman who was not at all attractive, very homely and often dressed inappropriately. And she was like best buddies to this mother. Mm-hmm. But if, as the movie goes along, if there is anyone that seems to genuinely, genuinely care about this girl, the daughter, uh, LV, it's this woman. And, 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 I don't know what it means exactly, but this character never speaks in the movie, yeah. just like LV. Um, the character that you're referring to, the neighbor lady, her name is Sadie, and I yeah. just just looked her up. Uh, she is an actress that I've seen a few times on and off, always playing a supporting character. Her name is Annette Badland, and um, some of the things that she's been in more recent years... Uh, she was on, let me just see real quick here. She's been on some shows that, uh, folks in the UK would know EastEnders. She had guest appearances on. She's also on a Showtime series for a few episodes, um, show called Outlander, who, which is about a, um, a wartime nurse that gets transported to the past. It's, it's a romance story, but anyway, she's she's also in Outlander, and she's been on Doctor Who more recently. But yeah, Annette Badland. Well, I just thought that, that, that you see it. It's not it's not overly stated. It's actually mm-hmm. quite subtle. But scene after scene, if if you're looking, if you notice the character. The only character giving empathy and caring and, and touching and soothing uh, LV is, is this woman who doesn't speak. I think that she serves a very important role in the sense that you're given the perception that she's somebody who's uh, perhaps special needs because she doesn't yeah, yeah yeah you know she doesn't talk very much but 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 also just in exactly in the way that that LV seems to be like we don't know is she autistic i don't know but i i think the fact that the neighbor lady is special needs also illustrates that while she may be um you know uh, ha- uh, uh, having a limited use of her faculties She's more of a human being than the girl's own mother because she shows empathy, whereas the mother is just yeah. uh, self-absorbed. Yeah. Totally, totally. She seems to be the only person that has empathy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not Michael Caine. <laughs> you know, it's not her mother. Boy, I got to tell you, DJ, this movie floored me. Yeah. I am so glad I saw this. Mm. I didn't expect it at all. 
Wow, <laughs> man, it really bowled me over. I'm I'm after this probably this weekend. I'm going to go and watch Vera, the show with Brenda Blythe, and because that is on Prime Video, I didn't recognize her from the uh, the art for the show because it's just a a country woman wearing a hat. You don't really see much of her face. But um, you know, I I I've loved absolutely fabulous for ages. She's Jane Horrocks yeah. in that is not a lead character, so you only see her sparingly. But her scenes are brilliant because she plays a ditzy secretary type, uh-huh. but she is smarter than the lead characters at times because they're dysfunctional. <laughs> so toppy we are close to the end of our yeah evening. i guess we gotta close this up but i could mm-hmm. talk a million more hours about this movie oh, i really could i'm glad you know i will quickly say that another person that deserves honorable mention is actor jim broadbent who played the comedy club owner mr boo yeah. you know what i thought is like i just thought if america ever redoes this you know as it often happens because the only real like super great projects are started in britain and then america you know adapts them. but bill murray if america did this bill murray needs to do that role <laughs> so um i i don't know a lot of films that jim broadbent has been in but of the yeah. things that I have seen him in, they have been my favorites. He has had um, supporting roles in some of the Harry Potter films. Okay. And when I – that's one of those moments, Toppy, where I see them and whereas somebody in the UK would be like, oh, that's Jim Broadbent. I'd be like, it's Mr. Boo. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Boo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a great character. What a great role. Oh, yeah. so we are out here in the lobby and um, we're just uh, wrapping things up as the cleaners are coming through. You know, they call them yeah. the char lady when they got their hair up in the the hanky and, uh, you know, they've got the mop bucket, kind of like Carol <laughs> Burnett on uh, her show. Anyway, yeah, a little bit. So uh, this is what we call our snack tray and it's uh, things you might like if you enjoy Little Voice. Now, um, this is a. I'm going to recommend a film that I have not yet seen. However, it has come on recommendation of one of our fellow Univaz podcast hosts, uh, Mr. Shayeti. Paul has spoken about this film before. It's a 2001 French language film. Don't let that turn you away, folks, because there are subtitles available. And uh, I, I I adore foreign films just simply because they often provide a different perspective. Now, this film that you might like if you enjoyed Little Voice is called Amelie, spelled A-M-E-L-I-E. Okay. And uh, it's about an introverted girl. Now, the story is an innocent and naive girl in Paris with her own sense of justice decides to help those around her and along the way discovers love. And it's huh. 2001 Amelie. You might actually be able to find it online, Toppy. Well, how interesting that you chose a French movie and uh, I chose an American movie that has, you know, French characters in it that are Americanized. But I chose Lily. Hmm. Uh, uh, 1953 American film. Uh, by MGM, 
stars Leslie Caron as a touchingly naive French girl. Now, that's the connection for me, Mm -hmm. uh, because LV seemed to me to be, well, touchingly naive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in this case, uh, Leslie Caron is a French girl uh, whose emotional relationship with the carnival puppeteer is conducted through the medium of four puppets. In other words, kind of like LV did these songs and she was like really kind of in a fantasy land. Uh, Leslie Caron in this movie talks to these puppets seemingly not being aware that there's a real man, the puppeteer behind the curtain who is actually talking to her. So that's my connection. And Lily is a great movie, but I I do feel the connection. I feel the connection between Lily and this movie. Okay. All righty. So that was 1953 Lily with Leslie Caron. Okay. All right, Toppy. So, uh, it was a quiet evening in the old theater here tonight, but we did have some folks that dropped by. Uh, did you want to let us know some, what uh, some of those were? Yeah, I'd love to. It's Folks, it's our chat room. Now, do you guys know that we do this live? We do. We, we stream this live, and we have a place where people can come together and join us in a chat room and, and, and react and talk to us and talk to each other. It's a fun time. You should try it sometime. And tonight in our chat room, we had uh, the ever-mysterious Cronehaven. We had our good friend, Marn Gertz. And we're so happy they joined us. So, Oh, and uh, um, don't forget V-Money dropped. Oh, V-Money was here. That's right. Mm-hmm. My old friend from... Little old Oslo. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, folks, you you should join us when we do this live every first and third Friday of the month. Yeah, just drop on by at matnamenusha.com. You can click that tower. Just like King Kong, you can climb the tower and listen to our audio. Or you can click on the little uh, blue mask symbol, the controller. It's called Discord. That's how the cool kids these days have a chat room. Oh, yeah. And, uh, very cool. you know, if you want to see us all decked out, you can always go over there to YouTube. There's an, uh, the link there, too, and you can yeah. see all of our past shows. So it's like watching all your old favorite soap yeah, operas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Now, uh, DJ, uh, we, we have a background. It's a magician. Mm-hmm. Uh, many magic shows came through uh, the theater here. Somebody left a magic gumball machine. Will you crank that friggin' magic gumball machine? Okay, hand me those coins, sir. Yeah, okay, I got them. Here you go. Okay, we're going to see what's coming up next. Alrighty, I'm going to go ahead and open up this capsule. Yeah, open it up. Oh, right. So this one is actually a listener request. Oh, my God. 
Can you identify the listener? Yes, Mr. Tommy of the Great White North has dropped us a line. No kidding. Yeah, so uh, next time on Matinee Minutia, which will be Friday, May 6th. So we're going to be turning that page of the calendar. Uh Uh-oh. And it's a mid to late 70s television sitcom. Hmm. The soap opera-ish antics. soap opera-ish. Of t- huh. antics of two families, huh. the Campbells and the Tates. Uh, oh no! Starring Catherine Helmond before she was on Who Was the Boss. Oh no! And Richard Mulligan before he was on that spinoff of Golden oh, Girls called no. Empty Nest. And, Are you talking? Is this soap? Is we were soap? and we were just talking about him at the Academy Awards, Mr. Billy Crystal, in an early role. Next time. We're talking about soap. Soap. Oh, Jesus. It had to happen sometime. It sure It had to happen did, sometime on the show. And, you know, because uh, Quietly Kept, a few of us are going through some dark times. and Oh, no. Uh, we just need something to laugh no. about. And No. And, yeah. I, that, yeah, this is a good plan. And you know what? Unbeknownst to me, I did not realize that Catherine Hellman's character was related to the character of the governor on Benson in the 80s. They were cousins. Well, I mean, I, I always thought of Benson's as a spinoff of Soap. It is. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I um Catherine Hillman actually made a, a few guest appearances on the early seasons of Benson. Um, which of course also for those of you who have been following the notes, we talked about MASH earlier in the year. And that of course starred Rene Aubergenois. And uh he was in how Benson. did you say that name again? Rene Aubergenois. Ah, okay. <laughs> and uh, of course, also because Rene later would joined the Star Trek family on Deep Space Nine, Mr. Ethan Phillips got his start on Benson, and he okay. later went to be on Voyager as Neelix. But that's not what we're talking about. Next time we're no, talking about soap. Soap. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> boy, soap was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it had some this will be interesting. Fir- it had some important firsts. Yeah. Because you know what? Mm-hmm. I never watched soap. Me either. So this will be a first time for me. Yes. All right, Toppy. Well, in the ways of the old days of radio, would you do us the honors of saying goodnight, Gracie? Yeah. Uh, goodnight, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univazpods.net, click the tower for streaming audio, enter Discord for our chat room. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email us at matinemanusha at gmail.com. This has been an Alibug production. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. 
We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net.